0: Today's episode talks a lot about anti trans legislation, anti trans discrimination, and generally people being a nuisance about trans people living their lives. Listen with care. Welcome to The Waves, Slate's podcast about the terror of gender, feminism, and today, letting trans kids live a life of peace without having to think about Neo's hats. Every week, we talk about what fresh hell is being unleashed on the girls and the gays, the theys and thems, and anyone else similarly committed to a society free of cis male dominance. I'm your host, Sachi Cole, and I just moved in down the block. You're cute. My parents are going away for the weekend, and I'm throwing a party. Do you want to come? Today, we have to talk about chess. And I'm as surprised as you are. I think we have maybe over-indexed on caring about chess— we got tricked by Netflix's The Queen's Gambit and maybe that Wonderkin Bobby Fisher, and possibly several young men I dated between 2007 and 2009 who were determined to get me to believe that chess is cool. It is not. That is the first thing we have to establish here. OK, so here's News Nation on why we're talking about chess. The world's top chess federation saying it's temporarily banning transgender women from female competitions. While it conducts a review that could take up to two years. Look, I am as perplexed as you are yet again. The arguments around trans athletes and sports is already a pretty flimsy one. Anti-trans loudmouths seem to think that being raised as another gender might give trans athletes a leg up. And obviously, this is more of an argument about trans women competing.
1: (laughs) Sex-based segregation is how competitive sport has recognised the performance advantages that male athletes have over females in many disciplines. It's going to be a fourth gold medal, a fourth title. But what if the pursuit of fairness and safety comes at the cost of inclusion? I think it's just so sad, the whole toxic uh, debate. Any
0: trans female who is included in sport excludes another biological female. Indeed, last week, the International Chess Federation announced that they would ban trans women from participating in women's tournaments. It's always about trans girls, isn't it? Whenever a trans-exclusionary radical feminist, or TERF, for those of you who are not tracking J.K. Rowling's every move, argues about why trans people shouldn't compete amongst cis women in sports, it's always this particular argument. Trans women are somehow too superhuman to compete amongst their cis sisters— Their chromosomes or hormones make it inherently unfair. It's as if there's a line of men waiting to pretend to be women to become the best at chess. And of course, this doesn't take into account the fact that cis athletes vary as much as trans athletes do. Natural skill and born with physical characteristics are a huge part of almost every game at every level. We are no more allowed to legislate the length of Shikari Richardson's legs than we are anyone else's hormone breakdown. Everyone has their own body. And you know what everyone's body is? That's right. They're disgusting. Everyone's body is disgusting in its own unique, important way. We're all gross. It's our great unifier. I still don't know what chess has to do with gender. I guess it does make sense that the International Chess Federation got involved. All sorts of people like to poke around the trans issue these days. People who don't need to. People like this guy.
2: You could identify as a goldfish if you feel like. right. <laughs> I don't care. That ain't my business. Just, it becomes my business when you try to make me play the game with you. I'm not going right. to call you a goldfish, but exactly. you, you want to be a goldfish, you go be a goldfish. It's Amen. All right. I, I feel like parents have almost almost forgotten what the role of a parent is. Amen. It's like, okay, lost control. if your little boy comes to you and says, daddy, I want to be a girl. And you just let him rock with that. You just let. Right. He's five.
0: Right. And where did he get that if from? If you
2: let this five-year-old boy decide to eat candy all day, he's going to do that. Exactly. Like, when when did it become a good idea to let a five-year-old, let a six-year-old, let a 12-year-old make a life-changing decision for themselves?
0: It's Neo. You remember Neo. He's a singer who you know about if you went to high school in 2006. He sang Closer. Okay, good. Now it's also stuck in your head. But don't worry, he later gave a PR-polished apology for comparing trans kids to identifying as a goldfish. Oh, and there's this recent interview with Grimes, Elon Musk's partner. They have a few kids together. I'm not sure when Elon found the time to procreate while burning billions of dollars on his vanity projects, but, you know, rich people just seem to have more hours in the day. Anyway, Grimes was interviewed by Wired, where she seemed to go out of her way to defend Elon's anti-trans tweets. Here's what she said. Getting to the heart of what Elon says helps me get to the heart of what other people's issues are, because it's this uber guy situation. And it came down to pretty much every way that you transition can cause fertility issues. I was like, okay, you don't hate trans people. You hate woke culture. I can't believe I have to say this, but that just isn't true. Gender-affirming care for trans kids and adults is specific to each person. A laundry list of professionals are involved in figuring out a care plan. Pediatricians, primary care physicians, psychiatrists, endocrinologists, and virtually none of the medically approved treatments for trans kids, which include therapy, social transition, and sometimes puberty blockers, or HRT, definitively cause fertility issues. In fact, most of this care is reversible. But guess what? That's none of our business anyway. I guess I'm relieved to know that even the rich and famous and the unburdened can still look like an idiot in public, all for a mid-ugly man. Famous people love talking about trans issues. Republican politicians do, too. They're completely obsessed. But why? I called Maddie Lubchansky. They're a cartoonist, an illustrator, and the author of the graphic novel Boys Weekend. Boys Weekend is great, by the way. You should read it. It's about a trans feminine person who gets invited to their college buddy's bachelor party. It takes place in a near distant future ruined by tech billionaires and libertarianism. Sound familiar? So today we're looking at why celebrities, why rich people, why famous people always want to talk about trans people and trans kids. It's a really bizarre fixation they all seem to have. Have you noticed this?
1: Have you, have you seen this? You <laughs> are you alive
0: this? in the world? You have experience. I am alive in the
1: world. Yeah. I'm, you know, it's it's a real, for me, a chicken and the egg thing where I'm trying to figure out, is are is Neo walking up to people on the street and being like, I got some thoughts? Or are they just getting asked about it because it is like the hot button issue in big, uh, scary air quotes, right? Like, is every journalist on earth just like, I'll just ask random C-list celebrity X like about what they think about uh, trans kids um, and just let them go and since they are celebrities, which you know carries like a 70% likelihood of them being uh, stupid, they have something stupid to say.
0: Do celebrities start stupid or does that happen with time?
1: I think it's a little of both because a lot of celebrities are entertainers and a lot of entertainers are very hyper focused on doing the entertainment and don't have a lot of other thoughts. I don't know, like I suffer from this too, where I'm just like very hyper-focused on the things that I do and the things that I don't do, I don't know damn thing about. I think as you get further in your career and more focused, uh, <clears throat> you get less of a sense of what is going on in the world. And also when you become rich, you become an alien as all your needs are taken care of. And you sort of just don't have the same worries as a normal person. You stop knowing other normal people sort of by necessity.
0: And so then the next the next step of that is to have dumb opinions about shit that doesn't affect you at all. That's correct. I, for one, cannot believe that celebrities would do this. Have bad opinions? Lead me astray? How could it be? More with Maddie in a minute. Hey, Waves listeners. If you're loving the show and want to hear more, subscribe to our feed. New episodes come out every Thursday morning. While you're there, check out our other episodes, too, like last week's about how Drake let Megan the Stallion down. I'll never forgive him, and you won't either. And if you want to support this show or any of the shows you hear on Slate, consider joining Slate+. Plus. Members get benefits like zero ads on any Slate podcast, no hitting the paywall on the Slate site, and bonus content from shows like this one. To learn more, go to slate.com slash thewavesplus. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome back to The Waves. I'm Sachi Cole, and we're here with Maddie Lipchansky, author of Boys Weekend. We're talking about celebrities who feel the inexplicable need to open their big fat maws around anything having to do with trans people. Maddie, I used to write celebrity profiles a lot, so we would always ask, like, hot-button issue questions to these people because we want to know if we don't want to fuck with them anymore if they have bad opinions. But at the same time, are we generating our own heat? Like, are we creating a new cycle when we ask Neo what he thinks about trans issues? Like, when was the last time you cared about Neo? Uh,
1: 2008.
0: That was actually sooner than I was going to say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think, that, I mean, when was like his big, it was like 2007 or something, his big hits. I feel, I don't know, it was a long time ago. So like you said, it is uh, basically your fault, journalism's fault. Uh, <laughs> you know, like it is, th- why we feel like we need to ask celebs about their opinions on this is sort of lost on me. Um, and it is sort of very much right now like the silly culture war season for this stuff particularly. And I understand the urge to want to know what every celebrity thinks about every single thing. But um, after a fashion, I don't know if it's efficacy really, it seems sort of uh, unhelpful unless uh, someone is volunteering the information, like say someone who's got good opinions on it and wants to speak up. I'm also very much not a person that thinks the celebs Are going to lead us out of anything, but it can cause problems. And it's like, if we are in the midst of a culture war being whipped up, uh, this is certainly a tool of it, is asking Grimes about uh, what Elon Musk thinks about me. Like, I don't. It's not (laughs) super important.
0: Yeah, when you put it like that, I am also wondering why anybody asks Grimes
1: (laughs) what Elon (laughs) Musk thinks about you.
0: Why do you think famous people are kind of over-indexing on, like, the trans issue? Like, they can yell into the void about literally anything. <laughs> this is the thing that they want to have the culture war about.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's just the information that's coming in. I think it's where they're getting their news from. I think it's, you know, it's being whipped up sort of everywhere. Like, it's it's almost inescapable. It's in, you know, imagine you're uh, a rich person. You're on your yacht and you want to read the news uh, and you pick up, say, uh, oh, I don't know, the New York Times. And you read that and you read an op-ed there and that's the only information you're getting because you don't know any trans people because you're rich. And trans people tend to not be rich and you only know other rich people when you're rich.
0: See, that's interesting because then it makes it feel actually like, wow, the celebs are just like us. They, too, are only getting their news from one place and then are saying stupid things on the Internet.
1: That's correct. Or, you know, they're, they're suffering the same like weird ideological capture from being like on TikTok or YouTube or wherever people are getting radicalized these days, you know?
0: So Neo apologized, and then he apologized for the apology.
2: What's going on, loved ones? This is Neo. All right, listen, I normally don't give too much of a damn about what y'all think about what I do, or what y'all have to say about what I say, whatever. I normally don't care because, like I said, opinions ain't special. Everybody got one. However, this is something I feel very strongly on, and I need y'all to hear this from the horse's mouth, not the publicist's computer, so check this out.
0: And it was a lot of people kind of talking about how he seemed to be uh, getting trapped by the powerful trans lobby, you know, the notoriously powerful uh, cabal of trans people (laughs) who are keeping Neo down.
1: Yeah. You can see I'm broadcasting from my underground
0: layer. Right. And the, the concept that these are like equal sides also comes up a lot, especially around celebrity, because sometimes there are consequences to the things that people say in public. And I'm, Wondering if you thought a little about that as well, like the victimhood that celebrities have have en- engendered for themselves in this conversation.
1: And I try to be sort of, in my mind, even-handed about this, where it's like, okay, so say you are a celebrity. You cannot go outside. I saw a video the other day of LeBron James eating lunch, and there was a crowd around him. <laughs> and he's just, like, trying to eat a sandwich, you know? Like, it's sort of, your life becomes insane, and sort of, I imagine it breaks your psyche pretty seriously to be noticed wherever you go, to be hounded, whatever, like your life is managed by a bunch of people. It's easy to become very paranoid, insulated, surround yourself with people that only, you know, tell you the things you want to hear. The problem arises when we're then asking them to like lead us on issues, you know? And I think the victimhood mentality comes in when they are, they receive pushback. It triggers a sort of uh, a madness in them, I think is what happened. And you can see this happen, I think that was like the big thing that I hate to do like Twitter review, but the thing that was so sort of like revolutionary about that as a platform originally was that a celebrity could like hear somebody say to their face, fuck off. It's just people not used to being to receiving pushback for their opinions really in their day-to-day lives. So when they do receive it, it is like, I'm a victim. And this is, you know, the, the powerful trans lobby stuff is also coming from, uh, Conservative cultural commentators who it's like the classic sort of uh, fascism thing where your enemy is both, ex- in, in, you know, extremely strong and also very vulnerable at the same time. So it's like they're everywhere. And the fact that queer people have some amount of cultural cachet uh, just because of uh, making all the art that everyone has ever liked. The the cultural, I'm, I'm hesitant to use the word power, but the the sort of cultural power that queer people have is sort of, to to all these con- to these conservatives, very scary to them, or at least they pretend that it's scary. And that's also because most of them are failed screenwriters and actors.
0: Cultural influence, at least. At least. Yes, that's yeah. the word I was looking yeah. for. Thank you. So I know most kids don't really care about Neo or like Elon or what they think about their gender identity. But I am wondering if these kinds of public statements from famous people makes an impact On trans kids, for teenagers, for people who are actually living these lives in question, this all feels like nonsense. But there, there has to be like a tangible impact, otherwise, we wouldn't talk about it every time.
1: Right. It contributes to, I think, especially for younger people, what celebrities are saying rings very loudly to them, and it just contributes to a culture of being ostracized. It's it's meant to keep kids in the closet. It's meant. And that's also like to not even talk about the actual material concerns of like laws being passed everywhere.
0: Right. Yeah. This is just the soft stuff. This is the soft science of it.
1: This is just the very soft stuff happening. But it's also like if a law is passed and you need, you know, you need the support of your family or something to try and work your way around it, travel out a state, whatever. But like if you're everywhere culturally is also telling you that it's bad and maybe you're wrong or it doesn't exist or you're something's wrong with you. Are you even then going to come out to the people close to you? You know, it's it's all part of the same sort of like morass of cultural pressure to keep kids from being trans completely. It's, it's eliminationist.
0: Okay, let's take a breather here. But first, I wanted to tell you about our Slate Plus segment. Every week, Slate producer Shayna Roth recaps and just like that, the Sex and the City sequel where everyone dies. And we're doing things a little differently this week. It's actually the season finale and you'll find the full recap in the Waves Plus feed Thursday afternoon. So don't worry when you get to the end of this episode and there's no plus segment. You'll get it. It's just taking a little extra time to make. Okay, we're back with Maddie Lubchansky. We've talked about celebrities not minding their damn business on trans issues, so now I want to dig into the sports of it all. It seems like a lot of anti-trans arguments in sports are about trans women in particular. Like, why do you think that is?
1: I think it's because a lot of the focus in general with the, the sort of moral panic that's going on right now is with uh, trans women in terms of the spaces that people are allowed to be in. It's sort of like bifurcated into two things, which is like one, they are coming for your beautiful white daughters and making them trans men. Right. And that's like a reproductive rights thing. And also a, like a white supremacy thing a lot of the time. And then the other sort of branch of the panic right now is about, about trans women specifically. And that's like a trans misogyny thing where it's like, Oh, these people are coming with their male skeletons to dominate your, your beautiful white daughter's sports. Right.
0: It's always about the beautiful white daughters. What about us beautiful brown daughters? What do we get?
1: <laughs> yeah. <I don't laughs>
0: all of it seems like there's like an added layer of misogyny in all of this because it's also like women can't protect themselves. So we have to protect them from these men who are going to pretend to be women to like enter their airspace. Like it's so ludicrous and conspiratorial. And now it's extended into sports.
1: It's this weird sort of misogynist idea that's like, oh, well, women are worse at things and we need to – and men will come in with their with their big bodies and their big brains and destroy the women at whatever they're doing, which is to say nothing of, like, the effects, uh, like, especially for, like, for sports that uh, actually use your, your body, you know, with, like, no regard to, like, the effects of what, like, hormone replacement actually does.
0: Yeah. And also doesn't take into account, like, some athletes have just, dis- like, people have different hormonal balances, certainly. So you're not testing everybody to my knowledge, for their entire hormone breakdown.
1: Not yet.
0: Yeah, not yet. Oh, God. Okay, maybe I shouldn't shouldn't suggest that. Okay, so you did see the news about the Chess Federation banning trans women from competing with cis women. Do you have any earthly concept of why Chess would get involved in this? Like, this is a real case. Like, we talked about this, like, sometimes you ask people, celebrities, questions about this because it's a hot-button issue, and so it, like, kind of leads them to slaughter.
1: I mean, instead of, you know, letting someone like me dominate the chess world with my male skeleton I, just it's also so like it's another one of these ideas that it's like well the men with their big brains will defeat all the women and it's very which is to say like a you know trans women are obviously not men but like it is this again like sort of like self the, at the base of all these sort of issues that are sort of like swallowed up by this big moral panic around trans people generally right now it is at its base you know misogynist and racist
0: I'd love if you could expand a little bit on the racist portion, because I think that gets lost a lot in this conversation, because it also ends up being about like a lot of the athletes even we're talking about are, are white people. I don't even know how that conversation would go once we start talking about race in sports with trans athletes like that's we're clearly not equipped to have it. But I'm wondering if you can expand on how the racist elements in this. Slide.
1: Sure. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a white person. I'm not like here to be the I'll racism expert. Yeah. yeah thank <laughs> you. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, I think, I think it's easy once you dig down into any of these issues that at the heart of all of this is that there's an idealized sort of society. Right. And it is the status quo of how we have things now, which is in fact, very racist. If you've noticed, I mean, but a lot of it is like straight up panic around again with like trans men, it is straight up panic around our white daughter's not having enough white children. The faces they put forward of this are always white people. Um, And I think that's significant. There's been better scholarly work about this than uh, me, a dumb cartoonist. But like, you know, there's plenty of people digging into books like uh, irreversible damage and finding all sorts of like weird anti-Semitic stuff in there. Like the sort of takeaway is that like, there is an ideal body and it is like a straight white couple. Like, and you can see the sort of way that these like the, the norms manifest in terms of, like, you know, there was all that stuff about uh, athletes getting gender tested when they thought the, these cis women athletes looked too masculine. Those women are almost never white.
0: Yeah. It's like, who will that punish? It's not going to be a white woman.
1: Yeah. And, and I think, that, you know, there's a long history of sort of like a racist ideal of, of what women should look like. And they will tend to treat non white women as, you know, quote, more masculine looking. And I think there's a sort of, this is all sort of like in one big sinister pot. It
0: could, in a, the most dystopian form, force female athletes to, like, present as girly as possible because they're trying to please some sort of external body on how they should look.
1: Right. That's what they want, right? They want, like, there's, there's you know, it is not, to me, the most important thing that happens, but this sort of transphobia does affect cis people and that, like, you. Of, of
0: everybody. Yeah.
1: If you're not, yeah. if you are a cis woman and you're not femmy enough, you can get yelled at in the bathroom too now, right? The idea is that we all sort of know our place in society, and the way that people do that right now is uh, there's a very patriarchal, racist idea of that.
0: I'm wondering, do you feel like things are, are worse or better? Does that feel like the wrong metric? I think about this a lot. Like we have lots of trans kids in my family, so we talk about this all the time. Like, was it better? Was it worse? How do things feel? And I don't have—I don't know—I don't have an answer for these kids. I just—it f- feels worse to me. But I'm reading too much.
1: It's certainly worse. Like materially, it is worse. There are laws on the books now that were not there a couple of years ago that are worse. It is—you know—it is like the culture war du jour, which is like shining a spotlight on any small group is not good for them. Generally, it is by any metric worse. The hope that I take is that it comes, these things tend to come in cycles and maybe in five years they will have forgotten about us again and we can get back to our damn lives. (sighs) These things come in waves and right now we're in a bad one. Um, You know, it's, I think it's very tempting to think about social issues existing upon like a, a straight line continuum. And that's obviously not the case. It's never been the case we're still arguing about the same shit. Now we were a hundred years ago with a lot of stuff. Um, and there was a time where people found uh, transness, uh, fascinating, but didn't really care. Or, and there's times where like nobody gave a shit at all. And now we're in a time where, uh, the people in power are found it useful as a cudgel for other things that they want. And right. You know, this is like a big fight in terms of like bodily autonomy writ large, you know, it's all the same groups, opposing trans care that are opposing opposing abortion rights and they're not going to stop there it's all it's all they have left the right wing in this country is to like go after you know queer people women <laughs> like that's all they've got you know their policies are clearly not doing it for people anymore the thing that makes it better is collective action like i don't i don't know what else there is to say about it at this point and if you are a person that cares about this stuff to stand in solidarity with us it's all we can do right now
0: all these losers are obsessed with trans issues they're obsessed with talking about they're obsessed with you so i guess i'm curious like is there anything the rest of us can do to kind of counteract the obsession like obviously there obviously there are like questions around like what do we do in terms of community aid we talked about that like what like how do we do solidarity i'm i'm talking specifically about like there is a kind of obsession about discussing it and we live in an attention economy and so i'm always wondering like how do I not pay attention to this, but give it enough attention because I know it's an evil?
1: I think um, if someone in your life is talking to you about this stuff and says something fucked up, what I like to do is ask them what they mean by that and make them explain themselves. I
0: have seen you do this on Twitter. Can you explain how this works? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, you're talking to your friend or your dad or your boyfriend or something, and they say something weird about trans people. What I do is more of like when pundits are doing it. And they start sort of dancing around. Be like, what do you mean? What do you actually want to say? Like, what do you, you can't just like align what you actually, what your beliefs actually are. I would like to hear what you mean when you, when you like are, you know, I'm I'm hard pressed to think of like an example right now without naming names. When they write these little articles about trans issues and like how their boutique shit people don't care about that, like maybe we need to like compromise on. Be like, what do you mean by compromise? What does that mean? What does compromising look like to you?
0: Does it work? Does it work for uh, you? No. I, I, I'm i only curious <laughs> if it works for you. Like, does it make, how does it make you feel if you're. It
1: makes me feel better to yell at a dipshit. Yes, that's true. That's, that's cathartic. I think more effective in your sort of day-to-day life is if you like, most people don't think about what they're saying in conversation, especially if they don't know about it. Right. And I think if you, if someone says something, even if it's not explicitly fucked up about trans people, if it's like, you can tell that they are sort of just going along with something they read, you know, in the times or saw on Fox news or whatever range of fucked up stuff there is about trans people out there right now, people are not used to being pressured or like experiencing pushback, um, when they are just sort of like mouthing off about this kind of stuff. And I think even a gentle sort of normal pushback in your day-to-day life with the people, you know, will hopefully make people start considering what they're saying, consider what they are reading, what they're watching, because they're definitely not thinking about it too hard because most people don't.
0: I found the end of your book so hopeful, and so I'm wondering what what hope looks like for you right now.
1: Liberation, you know, bodily autonomy, healthcare on demand, that kind of stuff. (laughs) The little stuff. Um, I mean, the hope for me is like, anyway, you slice it right now, like the community is a very good place to be in when you're in it. Um, Like, I feel a tremendous amount of love and solidarity from other trans people, from most other queer people. I think there's a lot of people in the last couple of years for most things and we're realizing that all we have is each other and that's how things get done both changed and also like support there's a lot of there's a lot of enthusiasm for things like mutual aid right now still especially within trans community i think that is to me helpful
0: my thanks to our guest maddie luchansky you can buy boys weekend anywhere you like to get your books thanks maddie
1: Thank you for having me.
0: As ever, we cap out today's episode with a little segment we call You Owe Me an Apology, wherein one of our listeners tells us about someone who owes them an apology. Today's guest is Josh Gondelman, a stand-up comedian and television writer on Strike. Off you go, Josh.
2: My pettiest grievance, the one that I really feel like I need to air, is the with the TSA agent who when I was flagged by the body scanning thing, patted me down and just went, oh, your back is just very sweaty. You don't have to say that. I hope that this person, every time something is unpleasant about them, people point it out for the rest of time. Uh, until they apologize to me for pointing that out. I hope that every time someone doesn't want to go on a date with them, they point out what is undesirable about their personality or physique. And I I, I hope that uh, whenever, whenever they choose a restaurant for dinner that their loved ones don't want to eat at, they're, they're ridiculed mercilessly. Or even if they do want to eat there, I hope they're ridiculed mercilessly. Because that's what happened to me, right? I got the desired outcome, which was that I was deemed not a threat to United States security, which I was not. Uh, And then they still insulted me. That's what I want more than anything. I want this person to have a totally prosperous life where still people are constantly reminding them of the ways in which they're unpleasant.
0: Josh has a great stand-up special called People Pleaser. It's out now. If you see him, apologize to him, just in case. It sounds like he really needs it. That's our show this week. I'm Sachi Cole. I'm your host, and I wrote and executive produced this episode. The Waves is produced by Shayna Roth. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer. Alicia Montgomery is Slate's vice president of audio. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at, the waves at slate.com or find me on a plethora of social media platforms at S-C-A-A-C-H-I. We want to hear your thoughts, your hopes, your dreams, and of course, about who owes you an apology. Please direct any complaints or criticisms to someone who loves you. They are the most equipped to tell you to get a grip. The Waves will be back next week. In the meantime, don't let the man keep you down.